I said I did have I did have kind of low energy. Yeah. But now when I hear that music, just pepped you up. Makes me so happy. Yeah. Now I got a smile on my face. <laughs> it's the 27th of July, 2015, and this is the 12th Soybean Pass podcast. Yeah. Soybean Pass podcast. Doesn't exactly roll off your tongue. No. 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 I'm Aaron. I, I, <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well. Yeah. Despite it's all of a sudden a huge downpour here in Ames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It went from kind of sunny this morning. Yeah. Like I was gonna bike in, and then uh, and then this. Yeah. Glad I didn't bike in. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little low energy because uh, just I've been around uh, doing a bunch of stuff today. Like what? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the bee, honeybeeologists that we work with, they have an experiment where they needed to mark like thousands of bees. And they were working with newly emerged bees. So these are the, the adult honeybees that come right out of the, the comb. And they are adorable. They are hairy and kind of soft and squishy yeah. and, and not quite like fully darkened. So they're kind of milky looking. And you could just dip your hand in and grab just coating of bees, hundreds not you know, of them in your hand. And because they're so soft, they don't have a mature stinger yet, so they can't sting you. Yeah. And they're pretty docile anyway, so I you know, don't see them acting all aggressive. It's like me and puppies. Like, they're just so cute. Yeah, yeah. But you're like that with honeybees. I think everybody would be. If you mm. saw these, you'd be like, oh, those Aww. are adorable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As my uh, nine-year-old would say, oh, he's so cute. So cute. <laughs> Except they're all she's. They're not he's. But anyway, yeah, we, I did that for a couple so hours. So you're marking them with paint? Yeah, they have these On little... their thorax. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I got, you know, I miss. They're moving. They're moving around. Well, yeah, they're alive. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, but there was, yeah, so marking a bunch, and then they were setting up different colonies. So each colony uh, was a different color. Color-coordinated. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, the group, Amy Toth, Adam Dolza, I think he had about, oh, easily 10 people. Yeah, And helping. we were going to spend all day yep. just marking yep. thousands of bees. Mm. <laughs> That's science. Went, yeah, it is. And then I went from there to, um, I had to go to Walmart to pick up some stuff for science. A lot of a lot of scientific material gets purchased at Walmart, I think. Especially for our groups. Yeah. yeah. Ziploc bags, Tupperware. So many Ziplocs. It's the foundation of a lot of experiments. Yes. And then uh, and then uh, meeting and email and students and now, best part of my day. Oh. So many of the podcasts. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Um. Well, I can just share a little bit for a recap of the field agronomist teleconference this morning. Oh yeah. Uh, most of the beans are forming pods, so there some are R3, and I even heard of a few R4s, and so seed seed formation isn't too far behind, and so uh, things are really moving along as far as crop progress of soybean. Yeah. yeah. Any sense of the like? what it, the USDA calls the quality? Or? Oh, I have not gotten a recent assessment yeah. of um, quality. Um, I did hear certain parts of the state are sort of in a drought stress. Particu- really? Particularly north, northwest counties. What? That is hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. Given the rain that we've had here in central Iowa. Yes. We're getting right now. Yeah. 
and some parts. Where in, is the drought? Well, it's kind of in the northwestern corner. So if you know okay. Paul Castle, yeah, he put out uh, kind of an update based on you know condition moisture conditions, and they're yeah. uh, they're a couple inches behind, and they're starting to see the effects, you know, plant stress. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, I saw in your list of things to talk about, you have spider mites. Yeah. Is that in relation to uh, that area? Well, actually, it was in the, the, the area where I saw some pictures of spider mites on soybean was from southeast. And so that's, and if you know Virgil Schmidt, Virgil's area, yeah. kind of around Muscatine, kind of the southwestern corner. And some of those fields are also experiencing drought stress. And so that's when you can have spider mites spilling over from grassy areas into corn and soybean. And so um, I just encourage anybody that sees drought stress fields to be looking for spider mites. Before so hard you, to look for spider mites. Yeah. They're tiny. But you want you want to find them before you get some of the injury, the yeah. discoloration, um, the modeling, stunting, even death. You have to kind of find mites early. Be proactive. Yeah. yeah. And uh, use a hand lens, right? Yes. You really have to use a hand lens. Yeah, and, and I've had people have, have good luck if they shake some leaves on a white piece of paper, say if you have like a clipboard, and basically you look for what looks like dust specks to start moving. And so if you can see any type of movement on a white piece of paper, um, yes, use a hand lens, take a look. They could be thrips and and other small things, but spider mites are very, very tiny. So you gotta kind of do this out of the field, right? I mean, you can't have like wind blowing around in order to see them kind of gather and, and move around. Uh, I mean, you can see mites in the field. It just depends on your experience. Yeah. yeah. I'd start looking at the lower canopy first and on field edges first and see, you know, turning over on the undersides of leaves. And if you're noticing any webbing, discoloration or anything like that, definitely move to the field interior. And then the the other pain with spider mites is that they lay their eggs in the leaf tissue, right? And And those eggs are not killed by the insecticide necessarily yeah no the eggs are not susceptible to insecticides so the the challenge is if you do have an outbreak and you spray you'll kill the adults but the nymphs but yeah but then the eggs are going to hatch and you could have an outbreak two weeks later yeah because they're overlapping generations and so you're going to have all life stages at the same time and so it's it can be almost like a treadmill where you have to then keep reapplying because you have the next generation starting to hatch. So it's not uncommon to need a second application. Right. Yeah. So, or at least you need to go out and double check. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a function of, well, the insecticide didn't work or we have resistance. It's just that you're not going to get all of the generations in right. there. You get that, yeah. like you said, overlapping generation. Those yeah. eggs hatched after the insecticide is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that will be a small minority of farmers that have to deal with that yeah because that's a pain yeah but the other one the aphids the other pests aphids Mm -hmm. caterpillars what do we got to say about that oh my gosh so there's been just a lot of chatter and i think last time we did a podcast it was generally north of i-80 that we were kind of hearing about some of those um but since then all last week i've been hearing about people finding aphids more easily south of i-80 so south oh, central, really? yeah. southeast, um, not so much southwest, but those people that are out there looking in soybean and even corn um, are finding aphids more easily. Okay. So usually you don't think of like aphids and mites being a problem in the same year because they kind of favor different conditions. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we've seen, you know, every other year kind of cycle with soybean aphids. And we think that's what a function of their 
biology, their ecology, when there's enough predators, and yeah. uh, how well they overwinter. Spider mites, it's always been a function of drought, and yeah. we see like regional droughts. Right. Like the big one was 88, mm-hmm. and then the one that we had. 2012 was also a good year for mites. Yeah. yeah. But there are these like spotty areas where mm-hmm. you just described the uh, north, uh, west Iowa, where, hey, you go couple weeks you know maybe a month or so without any substantial rain and conditions can cause problems yeah for conditions can can then lead to spider mite problems Mm -hmm. and you also have caterpillars on here yeah i mean we've been kind of talking about them maybe two or three times this summer but um there's just continues to be a good mix of green clover worm and other caterpillars and soybean that together could cause cumulative injury to a point in which you maybe want to be taking a closer look. So, so that I, just persists. Yeah, I went out on Thursday of last week and scouted uh, about eight fields uh, in central Iowa, and I could find green clover worm and yellow-striped army worm pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the damage was yeah trivial. Yeah. You know, maybe 5% defoliation. Mm-hmm. Um and there were some plants that had, you know, multiple caterpillars on them. And my sense is, and tell me if I've got this wrong, but those critters kind of move around a lot. Yes. Uh, they'll move from one plant to another. Yep. And especially when you have canopy closure, they're more able to kind of move around. So it's mm-hmm. it's like that damage sort of gets, that feeding gets spread out amongst a bunch of different plants. And yeah, they're pretty active. Yeah. So it, it may be something where, I, I don't know if you're, if you're hearing this from farmers, but... Um, You'll see spotty outbreaks, yes. maybe, especially true with edges. Uh, we had a graduate student, Mike Dunbar, who we brought in earlier this uh, this season, and he was saying that yeah, he could find stalk borer in corn fields pretty much everywhere he looked, but only at the edges. Yeah, didn't really see them spread throughout the field. Mm-hmm. Whereas things like armyworm, those he would find you know evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it sounds like caterpillar. I, I don't know what it is about this year. I don't know. But, you know, they're there. Then yep. the question just is, you know, is it worth spraying? And there. And I said, from what I saw in central Iowa, man, not, not probably worth spraying. But each field is different, right? Right. And you could have two, three, five, six different species. But I think you just really want, like you were mentioning, talk, talking about defoliation yeah, and just estimating yes. defoliation. And uh, just based on tissue being removed is when you'd want to make a treatment decision. And at this point in the growing season, my best estimate would be 20%. And it takes a lot to uh, to reach that 20% defoliation. If you can imagine a yeah. fifth of yeah. the tissue of that field gone, yeah. how bare that would look. Yeah. Um, but soybean is tremendous for compensating um, for leaf removal. Yeah. Yeah. And what is it, the older the plant gets, the more leaf damage it can take? Or do I have that uh, flipped? I, I don't know, honestly. I would have to ask an agronomist. I mean, the thing I would be concerned about later in the season is pot clipping. Oh, right. We talked about this last yeah. time. So that direct injury. from leaf feeding to yeah. feeding on the... Yeah. And, and some the will pods. feed on the pods or feed through with yeah. the feed on the seed. So now, if you're just tuning in, <laughs> you were, you thought this was some other podcast. Uh, yeah, this would be kind of confusing to you. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from the entomology side of things to the agronomy side of things. Yeah, it kind of bounces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to talk about? Those are really the highlights. Yeah. 
I always have this feeling when we do this that um, I have the same feeling when I'm packing for a trip. Yeah. Where I'm packing and I pack all the bags and I go, okay, now I'm going to sit and think, is there anything more I need to pack? Did you remember your undies? And I will like, yeah, I packed everything. And yeah. as soon as I get in the car and I put the luggage in the car and I'm driving to the airport, as soon as I get so far that it would not be worth turning around and go back, that's when I remember, oh, I forgot yeah. the charger for my phone. Yeah. What is it about the brain that doesn't allow you to remember that when you, you know, you can when do you really something need about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that we do this every week. The, if, ah. if there's something that we missed, yeah. we'll get it next week. Or, or people could email us. We actually have listeners. Yeah. We've confirmed two listeners this yes. past week. And if there's something that they would like us to talk about or address or look up, yeah, send us an email. O-N-E-A-L at iastate.edu. And my email is E-W-H at iastate.edu. What's the W stand for? It's my middle name. To be revealed <laughs> never. <laughs> and it's not Winifred. <laughs> Wilma? No. Your mother was a big fan of the Flintstones. <laughs> no. Hey, don't you have an upcoming event you oh, want to talk about? Oh, that was so natural. Mm-hmm. That was, mm. I think that was a segue. I think you're yep. distracting. Yep. Yeah, uh, I got a gig. I got, uh, you have a, a couple gigs. Yeah, there's one gig tomorrow that's for Practical Farmers of Iowa. I'll be yeah. talking about some of our bee work uh, cool. at the Cook Farm. Uh, that's tomorrow, Tuesday, July 28th. But coming up 21st of August is an event hosted by um, Xerxes Society. And one of our former employees, one of our former people, one yeah. of our favorite people she was a postdoc uh, in my lab for almost two years Delma Heidelbaker yeah and she is now employed by the Xerxes societies and she's putting Xerxes society that's a society that's um, involved in conservation of arthropods in general but they've been really focused on pollinators and now pests and beneficial insects so coming up on uh, August 21st at uh, feel the field extension education laboratory in Boone, Iowa is a conservation biological control short course. And we'll post the information on how, on to, how to register. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I'll be speaking at the event talking about some of the work we've done with prairie strips. And so it's you and Thelma are presenters for the day. I think so. And yeah. I think she may have other people. Uh, she'll have some hands on activity. Um, this is. Xerxes Society working with Iowa State, not the other way around. So you right. have to go to their website to get more information. I also think SARE is a partner for this short course, so that's important to plug them. SARE is an acronym standing for? Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. Yep. So it's USDA funded. Yeah, so I think the registration is $45. And again, it's at the demo farm between Ames and Boone. It's called FEEL. Yep. I'll provide the link uh, on the website. Great. Thanks. Okay. Talk to you later. Yep, thanks. Bye. Bye.